Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Alabama Farmers Co-op. Alabama Farmers Cooperative has been serving gardeners, farmers, and everyone in between for 85 years. From backyard gardening to large-scale farming and everything in between, your local co-op has what you need to be successful. Since 1936, Alabama Farmers Cooperative has provided high-quality products and friendly service to community members and local farmers. With over 60 locations to serve you and 85 years of experience, you can count on the co-op. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.alafarm.com. And also brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you hunt or fish in the Deep South, you know that it's different down here. Spawning seasons, patterns, and food sources are not the same as other areas of the country. At Great Days Outdoors Magazine, Southern Outdoors writers pick the brains of the best Southern hunters and anglers to give you the best how-to, where-to, and when-to articles, along with so much more. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, Bass Pro Shops, Academy Sports & Outdoors, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. I'm your host, Joe Baia, here today with my co-host, Butch Theory. And today, Butch, we're going to be talking about getting prepared for next hunting season. And I don't know about you, man, but I really look forward to my trips that I that I try to take every year. Sometimes they don't work out, sometimes they do, but... I just, I look forward to the preparation. I look forward to the trip itself. It's a lot of fun to get out, see new territory. And and for me, I really enjoy hunting a new species. And that's going to be something we're talking about today. And that's Sandhill Cranes. I have never hunted this bird, but it looks like a heck of a lot of fun. It's a big old bird, great eating. Have you had a chance to do this? I have not ever hunted a Sandhill Crane. I've actually never even seen one other than pictures on the interweb. How about you? I've seen them. Uh, actually, what got me interested in this? I don't think I've ever seen one. Man, you know, last year uh, got to go out to Southeast Montana, and it was mm. just you know they they black the sky coming south, and you know seeing that migration and seeing how really I mean it seemed seemingly healthy their populations were, and it's just a big old cool looking bird makes a lot of noise, delicious, supposedly delicious. I thought, yeah. why don't we do a podcast on this? Why don't we go to the source and and find out. Everything you'd want to know if this is a bird that's on your bucket list. So to do that, today we're talking with Vince Kimbrough with Prairie Bomb Outfitters in Texas. Now, Vince, you are a guide in Texas for sandhill cranes and other migratory waterfowl. First off, just tell us a little bit about how you got into guiding and, and a little bit about Prairie Bomb. That's a pretty interesting story how Prairie Bomb kind of got started. I'm a retired police lieutenant. I was a policeman for about 27 years. I was about to retire from law enforcement and I went and did a hunt with a high school friend of mine and a buddy, my name, David Hernandez. We've been friends, you know, since sixth grade and we got, he had some contacts in Amarillo. And so we went to Amarillo to do this hunt and we hunted with two young guys that owned this little company called Prairie Bomb Outfitters. And uh, my business partner, Carson Rains and another young man, they, they were the owners and we had an ex a wonderful experience and it was their first year. And we had a great time. We had cranes, we had geese, we shot limits. It was an extraordinary three or well, four days of hunting. So I retire. I want to book another hunt. I call Carson in May. I wanted to get in early and I want to come back and hunt cranes. And he's like, hey, man, this just, 
we don't know if we're going to run it again this year, just financially, you know, I'm young and I just don't know if I have the capital. And so I've done pretty well in my life and had some spendable income. And so we cut a deal and I bought a third and uh, of the business and uh, we went from there and kind of started it, you know, took it as a true business, you know, and here we are, you know, four years later and we're, we're heading into our fifth season and uh, kind of getting rare, raring to go. So that's kind of how I got into it. And like, like you guys, I've been a lifelong hunter, you know, I shot my first you know, deer when I was 15 uh, you know, out in East Texas, shot my first ducks at Lake Fork when I was about 18, you know, and hunted you know, all through California after that, when I ended up doing a tour in the Marine Corps and stayed in California after that and got into law enforcement and, so been doing this a long time, hunting, especially waterfowl hunting has kind of became my passion. And uh, and so now here we are today with Prairie Mom and it's kind of a, it's just kind of turned into its own thing. It's been pretty, pretty uh, remarkable. That's a cool story. Yeah, that's very cool. I grew up as mostly a deer and turkey hunter. And as I've gotten older and, and been able to travel more, I've gotten into Western game and, and hunting a lot of waterfowl. We don't, I don't live in a good flyway. So if I go do any kind of uh, waterfowl hunting, I kind of have to make it a trip, so to speak. And one of the things I've always enjoyed about going out west or, or you know, going on these types of hunts is is just getting to meet new people, but having that common bond when you first start up of, uh, hey, you're a hunter, I'm a hunter, like we've got that thing in common and it makes it a fun way to travel. And I've also really enjoyed getting to learn a new species and kind of what techniques are used for that species and gearing up for that species. And sandhill cranes are something that I have not hunted yet. I've always, I've heard about them and you seems like you're hearing more and more about them. I was out in uh, Southeastern Montana last year doing an antelope hunt and we just had clouds of sandhill cranes coming over us. And I was really amazed at how far away I could hear those birds. I mean, they are loud birds. So take us through what the sandhill crane hunting experience is like. I mean, is it similar to other types of waterfowl hunting or is it, is it, is it its own thing? You know, it, it's kind of a mix to be quite honest with you. It really does resemble, you know, a dry field goose hunt in, in a lot of ways, because we're going to set up, you know, either on some type of cover in an A-frame on an edge, on a pivot head, something that gives us a place to kind of hide that the birds have kind of are used to seeing and, but they don't, and they do decoy just like a goose or duck. But the thing about the cranes is that, that makes them pretty interesting is for one, they can see a long way away and you hear them a long way away and they're super leery. They just are a weary bird. Um, and so they'll, they'll start their descent into your decoys really high and they'll start dropping in. And if the slightest thing is off, you'll just all of a sudden see them just kind of start picking back up hmm. and, they'll, and they'll just completely, and they're just going to go right over the top of you. So, whether it's movement or too much movement, or, you know, if we're running socks and some wind and the winds, the socks are too much noise. Those little details really make it tricky to hunt cranes. There's, they're a smart bird. So it's, it is a kind of a combination of both waterfowl hunting, you know, out of an A-frame with decoys. We do some calling, not a lot of calling. We try to call enough to the birds to hear us make a little noise uh, and have them come in and, and decoy. Now when it's right, it is 100% right. It's just like a regular regular goose hunt or duck hunt out of an A-frame. But that's, those are kind of the differences. Birds are big, a bit higher, come from a bit farther. They'll kind of coast in versus just dropping in like geese will. Sounds pretty fun. I did some of that dry field goose hunting 
I guess it was end of very, very end of last year up in Arkansas. Man, that was fun. Those big old birds come in and decoy pretty Absolutely. on that field. Yeah, it's different. It's a it's a very similar hunt, but it's it just you you're like that's such a big bird. And it's coming and it's coming and it's coming and it's still a long way away. Where with geese, <laughs> when you know when geese come and they drop their feet and that landing gear comes out, they're coming. Cranes are a little different. When those feet finally drop, you know, okay, I've I've got them. I've got them in committed to come. Let's just make sure we're not messing this up by moving. Yes, sir. So you know, kind of like geese and ducks. Joe mentioned we've done a little bit of that. You and I talked on the phone whenever we were kind of planning this podcast. Talk about the flyway a little bit. Um, you know, we we are always waiting on a look at the duck reports, looking at the the water up, you know, way up north, looking at the ice way up north, watching the weather patterns, and yep. you know, just praying that that cold will push the birds down. Are sandhill cranes the same way? Is it kind of you're waiting on the northern or the the cold migration? We we do. They, you know, they they'll come from you know Canada, Nebraska, you know. The Dakotas, you know, they're going to come through that central flyway, which is us through Texas. We're pretty lucky. We'll get our first push of birds early. Um, you know, they'll get, we'll get Nebraska birds coming in a little bit early. They'll come down, you know, to start our season. We'll, we'll have cranes late October uh, up in the Amarillo area. You know, our parties, our, our partners are our other guys that hunt cranes that hunt south of us. Excuse me. You know, those guys get birds a little later in the year. It's a little warmer down there. They'll they'll hold a little longer down there. But for us in the Amarillo area, you know, we have about a six week, seven week window to really get on them before the weather is going to push them south of us. But yeah, so we'll like you guys. We, you know, I, I call my farmers every day. How's the rain? Right. We've been very fortunate so far this year. Amarillo's it's very dry, and over the last three weeks, it's it's been hammered with water. So water starting to look good. You know, talk to some people up north, and they're seeing a bunch of cranes already. So, you know, talking to some of our friends in Canada, yep, cranes look good this year so far. So just like you guys, we are, we're reaching out this time of the year to find out how things look, what's our projections, what's happening with water between us and the border. So bird numbers look good. And what are the seasons like there in Texas? When does this start up and when does it end? I mean, a lot of people may be thinking like, why are they talking about Sandhill crane hunting in, you know, June basically. Uh, but I mean, I would imagine need to be, this is when you need to be thinking about it. You, you really should. Um, you know, our crane hunts are, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty fortunate right now. I have a few dates left for cranes, but I'm, I'm pretty booked uh, between customers from last year that wanted to rebook from new customers this year. You know, it's kind of a, a bucket list bird for a lot of people. And so, you know, it's, it's now it's the time to really kind of think about it. our season starts October. I believe it'll be the 27th this year, that, that last Friday in October and technically our crane season will run all the way through January 31 in Texas. Now Texas is split into two zones, coastal zone and our Western zone. Coastal zone allows two birds a day. Our North or Western zone where we hunt out of allows three birds a day. Um, and we will, we'll start off October 27th and we'll run hard on cranes until the first couple of weeks of December. And then for us, it's kind of weather driven after that. If we have good weather and it's not too cold, um, we'll hold cranes. If it if the weather gets bad, like it did last year, our cranes will push and we'll have to pivot to ducks and geese. You know, one of my favorite things about putting together these hunts uh, in the off season, no matter what I'm hunting, is I like gearing up. I really enjoy researching the gear. I like getting new stuff. Uh, uh, I like having a reason to buy a different gun if I need to. When it comes to cranes, I mean, it's a pretty big bird, I would imagine. How, how big are these birds? Are they comparable to to, you know, another bird that we might be more familiar with? in size 
you know, it's funny. They, they come in two different sizes. So you have the the greater sandhill crane and the lesser sandhill crane. Lessers are obviously a little smaller. You'll see they don't have a lot of red on their head like the like the graders do. But you get a good mature sandhill crane, a grader, uh, and he'll have a wingspan of you know seven feet. I mean, they're wow. they're big birds. Um, they're hardy. They can take a punch. You know, we we rec- truly recommend you're shooting. You know, twelve gauge. We shoot. We recommend at least three inches. Uh, in from BBs to, to threes, uh, you know, you don't really have to shoot three and a half inch at them when they do it right. And we're in them and they're committing and we're, we're getting them close. They're within 10, 15 yards. So if not closer, that's how we call the shot. And so three inch twos and threes work really, really well, build a really nice pattern and kind of to work. It's a good load is what we kind of found the bigger loads. Yes. You can, does a little more damage to the bird and as precious as that meat is, cause it is absolutely delicious. We want to, we want to, we want to do as little damage as possible. Yeah, absolutely. How many can you kill? What's the bag limit in Texas? Three, three a day per person in the Western part, two a day on the coast, the coastal zone. That's a big bird, Joe. Even you might be able to hit that thing. I might, you know, I've, I've been known to miss a turkey though. So I (laughs) mean, I'm sure I could find a way to miss a crane, but. You know, it's a really cool story. We we were really fortunate last year to have a, a, a federal wildlife biologist. He came hunt from us. He runs a, a refuge in Arizona and they have a crane population of about 700 birds that work in Arizona, or excuse me, in Nevada. And they come a little north, a little south through his refuge. And so he's done a bunch of biological work on these birds and understanding and studying them. And the DNA of a crane found a million years ago and the DNA of a crane take today are identical. Wow. So you have this, you have this prehistoric bird that has lasted millions of years through ice ages through heat through weather these things are really a hardy bird they're it's really interesting we really are hunting a prehistoric animal and so to say that you know in 2023 we're going to be shooting birds that have the same dna of a bird that's a million years old it's pretty neat you're making yeah, me want, very cool making me want to go even more i know it you know you're talking about heat and cold what's the climate like there uh, where you guys hunt and I mean, kind of what should people be prepared for That's One of the things I've also learned about traveling is that you better be prepared for anything just about, but what can you expect out of a, out of a crane hunt in terms of, um, you know, what you're going to need. You mentioned is it's field hunting most of the time. So what's typical gear like? So our early season is if we're, we're lucky, it's nice and cool. It's not overly warm. You know, it's te- okay. It's, it's Texas. If you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes. It'll change. <laughs> and so we tell people that are coming in early season, look, bring some layers because it, it could get windy and it could get cold. Uh, Amarillo is the windiest place in America. Um, people say, oh, it's Chicago. No, come to Amarillo. We'll show you some wind. So we try to tell our customers, hey, you want a layer. You want a really good pair of dry, of, of waterproof dry boots. Right. We do hunting fields. There are pivots that put out water. There is some mud at times. You know, we want you to have a nice, good, comfortable pair of boots, keep your feet warm and dry. Uh, nothing's worse than you guys deer hunting and having cold, wet feet sitting in a stand or in a deer blind and it's cold outside and you're miserable. Right. Same kind of thing here. We really want you to dress comfortably. Something where we could take things off, take, you know, start early, early in the morning when it's cool, take a layer off, throw it in your backpack, you know, and, and just stay comfortable. As we progress through the through November, you know, into mid-November, you'll start seeing that temperature change in Amarillo. Uh, we can have some really cold mornings where it's, you know, freezing, you know, 35, 36 degrees, you know, warm up to 50, you know. And so we definitely want to have that layering ability. And then late season, when we start pushing early December, it can get cold. And then, 
we want to make sure you're warm. So we tell everybody, look, if you're going to come spend three, four days with us, kind of bring a gambit of clothing, something that if it does turn cold on us and wet and rainy, you're going to be protected. Thinking back, Butch, you know, the show we did with Sitka talking about how to layer. I was just thinking the same exact thing. But that's the answer, right? Is if you bring layers, you can't go wrong, really, in just about any hunt anywhere in the country. Make sure you got, you know, the ability to add or subtract as needed. Especially if you don't have waders on, I think that would be much easier to regulate if you're not having to worry about, you know, that big old stuff. Like I I hunted Sitka gear. I, I, I love it. You know, they do have a great outfitter program for us. Most of our guides hunting it. We hunt out of the Hudson bibs. You know, Hudson jackets, you know, our, our Sitka layering, you know, guardian stuff for us, it's a, it's a necessity, you know, to have really good, a good set of, you know, boots. I hunted a pair of Danner horns that are waterproof, you know, just because you, you, I tell people those are the areas you don't want to skimp. You don't want your hunt to be miserable because you're cold or, or the, or the wind's blowing or, you know, it's wet, it's raining or it's drizzling. Right. And, when you buy good gear for those kind of hunts, whether it's a waterfowl hunt, whether it's a duck hunt or deer hunt, turkey hunt, when you have good gear and good equipment, it just makes the hunt that much easier and more enjoyable. So when customers do call us and they ask us for a recommendation, I tell them, you know, Sitka puts out good stuff. First Light puts out good stuff. Buy quality gear, uh, stuff that's going to last you years. I'm on year four, you know, with a pair of Sitka bibs, you know, my Hudson bibs. And, and when I wash them, you can't tell that they're not new. So good, durable stuff, good equipment. Good equipment makes a big difference. There's been plenty of times when I've been in the field, had a piece of gear fail on me, and I would have gladly paid the difference between the cheaper version, which I bought, and the more expensive version, if I could just have that now, please. Um, So I can't agree with you more. Buying quality. I mean, even even if you end up growing out of it, not needing it, whatever, you usually get most of your money back if you ever need to get rid of it. It just makes total sense to... Absolutely invest. I, I think that one of the other areas that I have thought, I really wish I would have just spent the money and that that's it with a guide. I've done some DIY hunts for different types of things, DIY fishing trips and, you know, got skunked. And I was sitting there thinking, I'd gladly pay for somebody to just put me on the X right now. <laughs> Cause you know, going out there doing that, going that far, I just at least feel like I had a chance to be successful. It doesn't, I don't have to kill, you know, to feel mm-hmm. like it was a good hunt. But when I'm not even close, that's when I'm like, dadgummit, I should have hired a guide to do this. So when it comes to to looking into a guide, what do you think people should really think about when they're evaluating different options that are out there? You mentioned you're already mostly booked up. So, I mean, what do people really need to assess? Find somebody that either has hunted with them before or someone you know that go look at the reviews, go on Mallard Bay, look at our reviews, go online, look at our reviews. Google us, right? Find out, you know, what people are saying about that outfitter. You're going to find that that a lot of times you're you're going to answer your own question: Is this guy trustworthy or an honest? What's the reputation of the outfitter? How do they hunt, right? Do you want to hunt with an outfitter that puts 15, 18, 20 people in a field, you know, or do you want to hunt with an outfitter that puts eight people in a field, you know? Our idea of a of a hunt is about an experience, whether we shoot a bird or not. It's about the experience of coming to West Texas, putting yourself in a position to shoot birds. My job as the guy to put birds in front of you. Your job as the hunter is to shoot them. If you don't shoot them, that's not on me as the guy. That's on that's you right. for not being prepared, right? Or practicing coming in. But reputation for us is everything. It's about customer service. You know, we were really fortunate year one 
we were voted the number one outfitter in the state of Texas for customer service. We got a, a really cool opportunity to do some stuff with the Sportsman's Channel, and they recognized us as the, per Google, Instagram, Facebook, we were voted number one for customer service. That meant a lot to us as an organization. Yep. Customer service is huge, man. I, uh, like, I, like I mentioned, I went up to Arkansas and did some waterfowl, some duck, and we did some dry geese hunting in the afternoon. We smashed them a couple mornings. Like, let's do something a little different. You know, mm-hmm. we asked our guy, do you have somebody that could do some geese? Cause there was a billion geese everywhere. Yeah. It was nuts. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I got a guy that, uh, kind of just got into it. And he, uh, he's really been on it and whacking them every day. You know, it's X amount for the afternoon or whatever. So you're like, whatever. That sounds fun. So other than sitting yeah. around the camp, you know, let's go, let's go kill some birds. So we got out there and it was a really, really, really poor experience. It was a bunch of guys in the blind. It seemed to be more of a, of a friend's hunt. They really didn't care about us being there at all. We didn't mm-hmm. see, we actually, I think we fired one shot in about five hours. And after we got back to the camp, I looked them up on Instagram and they had only been doing it for a very short period of time. And the thing, the things that were uh, portrayed to us were not at all what what they were offering. So a simple Instagram search would have saved me about five hundred bucks in five hours. So that's great. You have, to look, you have to look at price too. What's the price point? Right. right. You're you're going to pay for quality, right? You know, our hunts are three hundred fifty dollars, and we do that for a reason, right? That's that's a lot of money for a hunt. Well, for one, it's expensive, right? I got to pay guides. I have decoy costs. I have equipment costs. I have landowner costs fuel costs to scout, right? That's not inexpensive to go do. We want our price to be where a family can afford to come and do a hunt every year. That's really important to us. But if someone's offering you something that's too good to be true on price, then usually it is. It's either they're they're selling a group hunt, trying to generate a bunch of people to come out. And then it's just about numbers. Um, so for us, we hunt small parties, eight to 10 people. You know, we, we'd hunted 12 before we're kind of shrinking that down to between eight and 10. We want you to have an experience. We want you to know the people you're hunting next to you. We want you to get to know the people in the blind next to you. We want to have a fun time while we're out doing this. That's what we do. This it's supposed to be fun. So let's right, make right. it fun. You know, this is why we got into this is because I love to hunt. So let's make it fun. Let's have an experience where if we don't shoot a bird, you laugh your, your butt off in the blind from my guides, Carson and Dawson, you know, cracking you up with jokes. These two kids are hilarious, right? They're just, they're amazing. And so, you know, I, I couldn't be happier with our team and in that aspect of let's make it an experience and have a great reputation. Now, are we perfect? No, we're not. No one is. They're, you're always going to have somebody that's unhappy with you that's going to say something about you. You know, I don't I don't get into Instagram battles with people. I had a, a gentleman last year who was unhappy with us. Everybody's like, you need to answer that. You need to answer that. I'm like, no. I don't need to answer that. I don't. Right. I don't need to get into that. Right. Did he tell the entire truth about what happened with his experience? No, he didn't. Not even close. He wanted to paint a picture of what he wanted. And that's not what nearly happened. And so I just said, that's not who we are. He's unhappy. Pandering to his is not going to make it any better. We got to focus on what we're doing and make sure the people that are coming are happy. So you have to understand that there are going to be people who say things about you that aren't necessarily true or fair. You just move on. I always like to read if there are negative reviews. I always like to read those specifically. Like I don't really even need to read good reviews so much mm-hmm. because they're good reviews, right? But right. if they're negative reviews, I really like to read into those because a lot of times you'll get a feel for is this a consistent theme? And it's not just with I mean this could be anything, but with outfitters, you know, fishing guides, all, all this is what you start to see a pattern of a lot of times is 
there are the people that have the unrealistic expectations that right. give those negative reviews. And, you know, my, my mindset on anytime I go on any kind of a guided adventure like this is, did they work hard? Were they prepared? Was the gear in good shape? Were they Absolutely. polite? Did they, you know, did they try their best? Because you yeah. can't control when no, the birds hunting, migrate. Hunting is hunting and fishing That's is right. fishing. You can't and, control and, the wildlife and mother nature, but you're right. You can be prepared and you can try your dangdest. That's right. And right. Uh, you can usually ferret that out from those negative reviews. Like, is this something where, you know, they the person had a bad experience because it doesn't look like they were working hard or was it just because they didn't have a, they didn't quote unquote, get the limit, you know, and right. uh, I'm not worried about that. So that's, that's great advice. And mm -hmm. I think too, it really resonates with me. The cheapest isn't always best. You know, I want the guy that, that charges what they need to charge to do the job the way it needs to be done. Uh, like yeah. I said earlier about the gear, you know, <laughs> there's plenty of times I'd have gladly paid the difference on whatever, mm. you know, cheap version I bought just to have one that's working correctly. And that makes a lot of sense to me too. Yeah. A lot of things too, is when you, when, when you're seeing guys pull gear out of the truck or out of equipment to get set up, what does it look like? Right. Is it organized? Do they, do they, are they, right. is it clean? Is it, is it, you know, well-maintained? Is it, or is it battered or a bunch of holes in all the, all the, the decoys, right? What is it, you know, what, what are you looking at when you see, you know, the vehicles pull up? Are they, I mean, it's hunting. Don't get me wrong. I mean, my truck was a mess at the end of the season, but, <laughs> but is it a well-maintained vehicle, right? Is the trailer well-maintained? Is it, you know, is it when you're starting out a business, those expenses, those capital improvements, they're, they're expensive. And mm -hmm. so you have to find a price point that helps pay the bills, but yet keeps it, to where people want to come hunt with you because you're getting a really, you're getting your money's worth. Your bang for your buck is better. So I, I think you look at all those things, you know, how are they treating me? Are they, are they communicating to me? Right. Are they, or am I just standing here waiting for someone to tell me, here's your spot in the blind, sit down here. Right. Are they including you in the, in, in the experience? Cause we offer it to all our clients and customers. Do you want to set up decoys? Do you want to be a part of the spread? Do you want to come scout with, us in the afternoon to see what we look at and how we scout what what do you want to do with us right this is your hunt you paid for it tell me what you want out of it yeah and so you know we give our hunters options right if we got if I, I got a really nice crane feed and it's it's a it's an awesome feed and it's an hour and a half away from where we were in amarillo but it's a it could be a banger of a hunt or i can do a mediocre goose hunt over here i lay it out for them hey this is 25 minutes away Right. There's geese here where chances are we'll get on a few. Or do you want to drive the hour and a half and go go, you know, look at this possibility for something successful and and then let them decide. And then that way it's not on me for making that decision. Now it's on the hunter and the group that said, Hey, we want to screw it. Let's make the drive. Let's go see if we can't go find that better hunt. Yeah. So those are the kind of things you need to look for as an outfitter. If an outfitter's telling you, nope, this is where you're going, this is what you're doing, you know, that's that's there's some issues there. Now I caveat that with a couple of things. If I don't have, let's say, for example, I get cold weather, my cranes push and I don't have any cranes to hunt. You have to be able to pivot, right? And go do a, a goose hunt, a, a dry field goose hunt or ducks on water, right? You have to understand that this is a migratory bird and it's going to go, it may not always go the way you want. And so you have to be open-minded as as the, the customer of it's a migratory bird. And when the weather changes and it gets brutally cold and snows, that crane that I have is most likely going to push south. That's a great question that you can ask a guide if you're evaluating right. is what are our alternatives 
if you're out of Burt, you know, mm-hmm. because that happens, like you said. I mean, you get a push and they're gone. I mean, what are what are we gonna do if they're not in country? You know, last two last two weeks of our season, our second year in business, Amarillo froze. It was a popsicle. There wasn't open water anywhere. It was absolutely froze up. What open water we had, birds were sitting on them, they weren't moving. And we canceled two weeks of hunts and refunded deposits. Because I'd rather you not come out and sit and I could I put you in a field, charge you full price, and had you sit out there and not shoot a bird? I could have. Yeah. Right. And a couple of customers weren't were unhappy. They're like, well, I really wanted to come. I'm like, well, I, I don't have anything for you to hunt. I just right. don't. I don't want you to come in a bad experience. Right. And so, but you know, everybody else was like, holy cow, I've never had an outfitter tell me don't come because there's no birds. Yeah. So yeah, I'd save your money. Yeah. I'd rather have that guy mad at me than than yeah, be the other end whenever you've you know, you got a, you got a check from the guy and he doesn't have any birds and he's disappointed about that. Yeah. Yeah. Hard for somebody to leave a bad review when, when they're that's outfitter right. or calls them and says, Hey man, I just, you know, I don't think you should come like that's, uh, and if, that's and if they honest. do, you probably don't want to hunt, probably don't right. want to hunt that guy anyways. If you <laughs> and ever. 90% of those guys that we talked to on the phone, let us keep the deposit and rebook for the next year. Yeah. And I'm so you, we end up hunting those guys the next year and they had a great time with it. I'm glad you bring that up because you mentioned that this is a bucket list hunt, but you also mentioned that you're pretty much almost booked up and a lot of that is repeat business. So, you know, I, I could see this being like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go do this and then get, I like everything I hunt, you know, all of a sudden I'm into it. You know, I want to think mm-hmm. I want to do that every year. How many of your people end up coming back? Oh man, we're really fortunate guys. I, I would say we probably get 60 to 70% of our business yeah. right now is return customers. So that's they just love that people love you know, to it's do. great love to do and it's you know i get calls you know all the time hey vince i just text today hey vince um it's such and such from last year what's what's open right and you know and we're actually we're actually as an organization working to 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 offset some land further south of amarillo where the birds kind of tend to last longer uh, so we can expand our crane season from that first six weeks or so into mid-december you know where we may have to drive an hour and a half hour and 40 minutes um, to get on these birds. But if, if that's your bucket list bird and you want to hunt with us, that's what's going to have to happen. And so um, God willing, we'll end up with some new land south of us this year. And, um, you know, and that, that traditionally holds birds year round and we can expand this and open this up to other customers for the rest of the season. Vince, you know, the thing I've always heard about cranes, Sandhill cranes is they're the ribeye of the sky. And you mentioned it earlier. I mean, are they really that good at eating? I'm telling you, I eat a lot of water. I eat a lot of waterfowl. I do, you know, I, and I like it. I I like duck. I like goose, you know, um, especially like my, my geese. I like to take it and make it a breakfast sausage. You know, we, we had a couple of local guys last year, shot a bunch of geese with us and made a bunch of breakfast sausage for us. And it was oh, so good. It's just so good. Um, <laughs> but the crane is a separate, it's its own, you know, it's its own thing. It really is a, it's like a big piece of steak. It's, you know, it's about an inch and a half thick. It's, you know, it's five, six inches long, you know, and it's super red meat. You cook it just like a steak. Um, to me, the best way to cook it is to sous vide it. Cook it in hot water on a sous vide, pull it out, put it in a cast iron skillet with some, you know, some butter, some garlic, you know, sear both sides when it comes out and cook that at medium rare. And it's, you just, it just can't, does it, it doesn't get any better. It's just really good table fare. And so I, it's, it's pretty funny. I get phone calls from friends. I don't want to name names, but there's pretty. I have a pretty. I have a famous friend in the industry, and uh, he he reaches out quite often. Not quite often. He's reached out a couple of times. If you got any leftover crane, you know where to, you know where to mail it. And I'm like, I just laugh, you know. And I I actually talked to him recently. I told him, hey, this year I promise y'all I'll hook you up with some crane this year. 
Well, eating what I kill is a big part of why I hunt and it's, it, it extends the hunt for me. You know, it, it's something that I get to relive. I'm still eating some antelope burgers from my, you know, antelope hunt last year in Montana. And every time I open up a package, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back out there doing it, you know, and that's mm -hmm. a lot of fun for me. And it was really cool to hear you say that you give your clients the opportunity to get involved in the hunt. Cause that's also another big thing for me personally yep. is me too, man, I want to go scouting with y'all in the afternoons, you know, because seeing mm -hmm. those birds and kind of knowing where they are, it gets me fired up for the next day. I'm, I'm ready to wake up in the morning. You know, I don't feel like I'm just being led out to a spot, you know, to pull the trigger. And right. I love that, that idea. And you've given us some great questions we can ask guides, but also a great uh, overview of what it's like to hunt sandhill cranes in, in your area if people do want to uh look at booking a sandhill crane hunt you mentioned you're almost book up, booked up how can people go see your hunts and and availability and and just get a good feel for everything you guys offer so our, our website you know is you know prairiebomboutfitters.com uh we work really closely with a company called mallard bay uh, they're kind of like the Airbnb of, of hunting and fishing. You know, we've been fortunate to be, you know, with Mallard Bay since their beginning. I think we were the first or second waterfowl group to to join them, you know, and become a part of their 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 booking program. And so super simple. You can go to mallardbay.com, look up Prayer Bomb Outfitters, go in, pick the dates you want. They'll send me an email. I'll let you know if the days are available. If they're not, we'll send you some alternate dates that are available that may work. Um, and then we'll approve the dates and you're good to go. You're booked. Um, you know, they'll take a deposit of half and then right before the hunt, three or four days before the hunt, they'll collect the second part of that payment, uh, off of a credit card. It makes it super simple. Uh, we did something different with Mallard Bay. I, I want to make my hunt as inexpensive as possible. So with Mallard Bay, they charge a booking fee and that's how they make their money. I get it. So what we did is we eat that on our end. We, we, I don't want that passed on to my customers. So at Prairie Bomb, we, we take that out of our cut. And so it doesn't cost you anything to book with Prairie Bomb Outfitters through Mallard Bay. You're paying no booking fees. We cover that for you. It was just something that we thought was important to do. This can get expensive, you know, and, and now we're tacking on another 5% or 8% or, you know, whatever. I don't even really know what the number is anymore, to be honest with you. I don't really care. We're just not charging it to the customer. We're going to take care of that on our end so that that way it stays at the price you paid for it is the price that's, that's you're charged. So very cool. You know, that's, it's something that we do, but we love Mallard Bay, you know, um, Logan and Joel, Wyatt, the whole crew over there. Those guys are amazing. Some of their fishing stuff I hear is fantastic as well. You know, their, their, their guide stuff. They, they just do a great job. We're really, really pleased and happy to be a part of that program. Well, Vince, you got to be fired up. This may be my next, uh, my next adventure coming to I think Texas. There's one thing and, if, uh, if, I, if I could add one thing, guys, I think it's really important that we didn't really get to talk about, but I think sure. it's super important is I, I don't have a business without my landowners and my farmers. And these these guys, these these men and women that run these farms in Amarillo are amazing, amazing human beings. They are, you know, they're out there working the land, growing food for us, you know, whether it's cotton for clothing or corn for feed or Milo, you know, they're they're you know raising cattle. You know, they they are the most important component for me as a business owner that does this type of work. And without them, I don't, I don't have a business without them. And so every chance I get, I tell people really thank your farmers uh, because without them, you know, we don't get to do some of these things, right. Without landowners giving us the rights and the access to go hunt, we're not hunting. And, and it's so, so vitally important that if you do get 
permission to hunt on a piece of property, whether it's a friend or a neighbor, leave it better than you found it. If you find garbage or pick up your holes, don't leave garbage. Don't leave, don't leave any of that stuff anywhere. Pick up, take your stuff out. If, if it's rain and it's wet, don't drive your truck or your, your ATV out in the middle of this guy's field and rut it up. You know, go the old school way, put that stuff on your back, carry your stuff out in the field and hunt. Nothing makes a farmer worse, ang- more angry than leaving garbage and rutting up his field. So for me, it's there. They are the most key component. We love them. We, we cherish them. They're great to us. And I just want everybody to understand that pay respect to these people that let us have access. Yep, that's a great point, man. Yep. Great advice on that regard, and and great advice when it comes to Sandhill crane hunting, Vince. We appreciate you joining us today. Hey, thanks guys for the opportunity, and uh, we would love to have you guys come out. You got an open invitation. Get a hold of me. Tell me when you want to come. Come out together. Bring some. Bring some friends. We'll put a group together. Um, you know, we can always fit you in and find some, find some spots and we'd love to have you guys come out and, you know, we'll do a hunt and then maybe do this again after the hunt. You guys can talk about the experience. So it'd be a good time. You heard yeah, what he says, Butch. Awesome. I, now I've got a reason. Got to tell my right. wife, I need to, I need a Sandhill crane shotgun. I got to have one special. You got to have one, right? I mean, so, you special know, exactly, for that, you, know? you know, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks so, a lot, Vince. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Enjoyed it, buddy. Thanks. Guys, let's take a quick break and hear from this week's sponsors. This segment was brought to you by the Hunter's Mate Lowdown Trail Cam Reviewer. Finally, a trail cam viewer that actually works. Lowdown's high-speed trail cam viewer has flipping fast technology that allows you to view images three times faster on a screen that is 60% bigger than typical 7-inch viewers. Lowdown is a dedicated viewer slash photo manager made for one thing and one thing only fast, uncomplicated viewing of your trail cam images and videos. Lowdown makes viewing large numbers of images fast and easy. It allows you to easily delete individuals or groups of selected images. Find out more at lowdownviewer.com. And also brought to you by First South Farm Credit. What does a farm mean to you? Maybe it's just a piece of land where you can go relax or enjoy the outdoors. Whatever the farm means to you, First South Farm Credit can help you finance or refinance that perfect piece of land. As a successful financial cooperative, First South shares its profits with its borrowers in the form of a patronage refund, which lowers your cost of borrowing. To find out how First South can help you, visit their website at firstsouthland.com or call them at 800-955-1722. They are an equal housing lender. Butch, why don't you just go uh, Sandhill Crane Hunt in Alabama? Yeah, man. I think uh, it's funny because, I mean, I, I never even heard of a Sandhill Crane until probably, I don't know, what, maybe between five and eight years ago, and it seems like it's been kind of a buzz topic. Well, I, I heard about them a lot growing up because, you know, you hear about them in Florida. They're protected in Florida. And, right. and you know, whenever you whenever you talk about Sandhill Crane hunting, you get a lot of pushback. Like, why are you, you know, that seems, seems wrong, seems bad. No, man. I mean, Texas, you know, as an example, they have a very robust population uh, that's very healthy. And, you know, Alabama historically did not and now they do and there are limited availability but you know you're talking about uh low probability of of drawing and then when you do draw you're just getting a couple of birds right sounds like texas has got it going on in terms of bird numbers opportunities being able to go out for you know three days and and really get on some birds be something else to uh get out there and experience that man it's always fun to just see in new territory and seeing how people do things. But like I said in the beginning of the show, just you can always share a common bond of hunting with whoever you're going with. And it's like you just hit it off. I've always just hit it off with folks. But you yep. do want to do your research. I have been on some hunts and some fishing trips where I was left with a bad taste in my mouth. And I uh, thought Vince did a good job of really helping us to kind of think about 
what we need to look for, but also the questions you ought to ask somebody. It was some, it was some really insightful questions. Yep. Agreed, man. And yeah, I wasn't uh, talking about, you know, been on some bad things. I wasn't kidding about the goose hunt that I went on last year. And it could have easily been rectified by, you know, going through somebody like Mallard Bay and looking at reviews or going on Instagram and looking at reviews and pictures and Instagram doesn't have reviews, but you get my point, looking at pictures and seeing how long they've been doing it and what they've been up to. And Facebook has a review feature, but yeah, man, just kind of do your research a little bit. That's, that's, that was the main thing that I picked up from today. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you. To get the podcast emailed to you each week, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list. And wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you got a show topic that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Hunt Land Show is brought to you by Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. They now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. And also brought to you by Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. And also brought to you by Mallard Bay Outdoors. Book your next guided hunting or fishing trip with thoroughly vetted guides or charters. Built by sportsmen for sportsmen. Mallardbay.com. And also Bucks Island Marine. Bucks Island is a full-service facility that sells new and used boats and motors. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588.